my beloved in Jesus Christ. I spent this last week in Phoenix assisting in the preparations for the funeral of my beloved ordaining Bishop Gerald Dino. I spent that whole week helping and preparing all those things, lending and assisting. But the question I ask each of us tonight is, including myself, what have we done this week? I'm not talking about, did I prepare my funeral arrangements? Did I get my plot? Did I have all my will laid out? Though that's important. My stuff is on a, my desk that has to be addressed for that topic. But that's not what I'm talking about. We heard in our gospel of a man who lived sumptuously, didn't he? It's like he had a green thumb. Grains and crops grew up. He had a great harvest. And he knew I had to tear my barns down and build bigger barns so I could have more stuff. And I will sit back, as we heard in Ecclesiastes tonight, and live comfortably. Then those frightening words, those words we all know that may one day come at us, you fool, this night your life is demanded of you. As we go about and live our lives, and we collect things, but what Jesus was talking about in this parable is that we collect so much for ourselves. If you'll notice in this gospel how many times the word I is used. I, 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 I. Never a you. He was filled with himself and not with the other. He was concerned about the world that he was living in and no other. He had not thought at all of God. He had not thought all of time. The time is short. Eternity is forever. No thought to these things. And no thought whatsoever to neighbor. What he is being called on account of is how did he serve his neighbor? After this pericope, after this gospel reading, this parable, Jesus goes on and talking about, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about what you're to eat or what you wear or all these things. He goes on and on about. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. That's where your heart has to be. That's where your priority has to be. Fill up your purse with things that are incorruptible. Fill up your treasuries that things, where things can't be stolen. Where things can't corrode. These, he says, is where we are to put our energy, our focus, and our life. Speaking of the world, 
that we live in, this physical world. John Chrysostom would say that our grain bins should be the stomach of the poor. Basil the Great would say that that second coat you have hanging belongs to the poor. The shoes that are corroding in your closet, well, he didn't use the word closet, belong to the poor. So on one level, part of our judgment will be what have we done with the other, with the neighbor, the one in need. We certainly will be a called an account on it on some level. Each of us individually on a you know unique for us. But on another level, we have to ask ourselves, what have I done this week to fill up those spiritual grain bins? On a spiritual level now. One that will take us across the the Jordan, where we will live in the heavenly kingdom, that will aid us in that. What have I done there? What virtues have I fostered within myself? We picked out beautiful vestments for Bishop Gerald that he's going to be laid out in, and his jezel, and his cross, and his, his panagia, all these wonderful things. But he didn't get to take any of them with him. Even his body, we got to go see Wednesday, is still here. What can we take with us? And that's what we need to be working on in this life. Working on our virtues, those things that can mold us into Christ. And form us in such a manner that the Father will see His Son in us. That is is building up and filling our grain bins, if you will, of something that's lasting. But part and parcel with that is not speaking in the I, but the we. Remember that I'm not alone in this. That there are those around that need help as well. And I build my virtue in loving them, in showing mercy to them, in showing kindness and forgiveness to those around me. All of that is filling up the heavenly grain bins. Without neglecting, Jesus says, the others, as he warned the disciples, or the Jews. Perhaps you remember me telling the story of, in the, that was in the prologue about a long time ago in a village far, far away. That when a stranger would come, the people in the village or the city would make him a king for a year. They would take off his street clothes and give him royal garments. He would feast sumptuously at the banquets all the time. He'd have anything he wanted and lived gloriously. And at the end of the year, they would all come and gather around the king, take off his garments, put on his old clothes, take him to a deserted island there to die. 
And they would wait for the next stranger. One day a stranger came through. They asked, do you want to be a king for a year? Yes. They took off his clothes. They put on him royal garments. He ate scrumptiously. He had everything he wanted. But he did one thing all the others failed to do. He asked one question that they forgot to ask. What happened to the others that went before me? And they told him. So over the course of the whole year, he began shipping supplies to the island where he would eventually be thrown and left to die. And at the end of the year they came, they removed all his garments, put on his old clothes that he came into the town with, took him to the island and expected him to die. And he lived on that island better than he had while he lived in the city. He store up for himself treasures in heaven, if you will. He put the energy into preparing for what was to come and not living so much for now. Not thinking about now, but thinking where the final destination was going to be. And that's what we're called to do. Not to be all so caught up in the world around us. Yes, we have to live into it. We have to be responsible to those things that we're responsible for. But to remember that we have to put our time and our energy and our faith into the work of preparing for what is to come. Because one day, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ is going to come to each and every one of us, some sooner than others, and say, okay, This night, your life is demanded of you, and you must give an account. I'm not saying anything new to any of you. This is as old as the history of man. They all know through experience that how much material things we gain, but we can't take it with us. Pharaohs. Emperors have tried to create a thing where they would have their slaves and all their things around them when they died. But they could not take a thing. And we're the same. I won't be able to take my fly fishing pole with me as much as I'd like to. I can only take who I am. I can't even take my flesh. I can only take the person I have become. And I pray, as I well know you do, that I strive that the person I have become will be of such stature and joy and love that our Heavenly Father will say, Come, good and faithful servant. But if I put no energy into it, if I just get caught up in the world and the problems with the earthly life around us, That won't be the reception I will receive because my life did not reflect what I was striving for. So let us not be like the foolish man who stored up riches in this world and had nothing for the next. Let's strive and store up treasures in the next world because there thieves can't break in and steal and moths can't corrode. 
This is what we're called to do. Our Lord knows that in this whole, if you read the whole section to the end of the chapter, everything we need, and He's joyous, He says, to give you the heavenly kingdom. He came, I want to give it to you, I want you to have it, it's yours, yours. But you have to be formed to prepare to be received into it. Because if not, you won't enjoy it. Instead of a place of joy and happiness, it'll be one of anger at me. And you'll live your whole life in anger. Eternity is a long time to live in anger. But if you form yourself in the manner of my son, then you will live eternity and enjoy and peace. And I will fill you up to overflowing. Jesus in this parable is throwing a warning shot across our bow. Wake up. Remember, time is short. And none of us knows the hour or the day. But he doesn't leave us without hope. And he's shown us what we need to do. All we have to do is the proxies. We have to do it. Because we can all talk a big game. We can all sit around and talk all these things and theology and philosophy, all these beautiful stuff. How beautiful. But unless you do it, not a thing's going to happen. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to do what we want to become. And He's given us everything we need, and we lack nothing. We just need a firm resolve. And the heavenly kingdom will be our gift. Come to the services. It's the only thing that you're going to take with you. Because it's going to form your heart. It's going to form who you are. And so this, the services, is what you're investing in. Not the earthly grain bar. This. But speaking of prayer, I talked about this last night. You know, we talked about you got to do it, right? you got to do the prayer. You can't wish about it. I wish I could do this. I wish I could have that. And find out I try to do it, but I get all these things that get in the way. You and I have to force ourselves to carve out a space of prayer and carve out a place of prayer. Because we have this corporate service that we have on, but we don't do this 24-7. As wonderful as that will be when we get to the heavenly kingdom, though there won't be time, it will just be continual. Eucharistic Thanksgiving is continual things. So you need to have time to pray. And if you're married, have time to pray together, but you also need some time apart to pray. A story I shared, I know, many years ago uh, when I was in a deacon formation program. Uh, Father Paul Laser, a blessed memory, he was a professors at St. Vladimir's, he gave us uh, classes, and he made a comment, he says, told us a story, he goes, when I grew up, you know, I had a lot of siblings, and it was my grandparents that lived with us, and when I was a small boy, he says, I was looking for my mom, you know, all children are looking for mom for something, and he goes, I looked all over the house for her, I went into the kitchen, all these places, I even went into her bedroom, I couldn't see her, and I came back. And I looked around, I went back in her bedroom one more time, and he says, I saw a light coming underneath the closet door. He goes, so I opened the door, 
And there was my mom on a little chair in the closet with the light on, saying her prayers. So I closed the door and I left. So I know there's a lot of moms that are dying for a closet to go into, because, you know, it just doesn't stop. But husbands have to help their wives have time for prayer. And wives have to help their husbands have time for prayer. And if you're not married, you have no excuse at all. You have to make time for prayer. Nobody's going to do it for you. You have to do it. You have to make it important. I have to make it important. I have to always carve out time. And when my usual time doesn't happen, I have to have a backup plan. It's the only way we're going to foster a relationship with God. And I have to be alone. Bonnie Kelly and I, we will pray together. And then when we're done praying together, whatever we're doing, Compliment or soldier or whatever, then, then we, she reads her stuff and I read my stuff. But some, but I also need it, so does she, alone time. And when I talk to my God, I don't just talk to him here. I use my lips, I use my mouth, I use my vocal cords, and I talk to my God. So sometimes I have to come in here. And I'm talking to him, and my arms are flailing, and I'm just, you know, he's my God. But after I've said what I need to say, and I'm embarrassed to do all that in front of Pani Kelly, then I can sit quietly. Or if she's not here in the rectory, then I can do that in the rectory as well. But the point is, we need time alone where we can sit quietly. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be a lot of time, but it's got to be some time, and it needs to be consistent. Life is short, and eternity is long. We remind you there is a God. And so we need to do these things. We need them for ourselves. And if we find, as St. Sarah from the Sarah would say, that inner peace, acquire inner peace, a thousand souls will be saved around you. It's because the divine energies begin to radiate out from you. It becomes perceptible to those around you. I know I'm going long. But you know, we're not just doing this just for pretend. This is real life. It has consequences in the life to come. And good consequences. Because we're striving to live that life that God has called So please, during this time of the fast, make an effort. Pray together as a community. Pray together as a, if you're married as a couple. And then also have time alone to pray. Say a few words and then be quiet. Just enough words of praise to quiet the mind. A few petitions that we seem to always have to get out, and I'm no different, and then quiet. Allow God to talk to your heart. You will experience a difference in your life if you stay consistent. It doesn't mean the troubles will go away. But how you respond and react to those troubles, that's what will begin to change. Your outlook on life will begin to change. Because now you're allowing God to direct your heart, allowing God to direct your vision. That's where the peace comes. That's where the joy comes. And give thanks to God for your life, for your faith, for his mother who gave us her son.